I'm in Max, Max, Max. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello and welcome to episode, no, season 27, episode 12. Um, episode 12? I yes. think. <laughs> I think. Okay, if that's right, I should have gone to the webpage and looked at the, what the last episode was. <laughs> anyway, of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, my name is Stu. I'm Stork. And I'm Kurt. 20, 27 seasons? Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he does about two and a half seasons a year, so it, it accelerates. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Working? What's, what is Don't a season? Don't ask. Don't, well, don't it, ask. It, right. It's 20 episodes. A season is 20 episodes. Okay. Except early on, it was like, it could have been any number. <laughs> <laughs> In the earliest seasons, it's like, oh, it might be nine. Okay, yeah, this is season 12. Yeah. In this episode of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast, Stephen SoCal writes in about red herrings. Scott writes in about levels of commitments to gaming, and Erica Odd sends a bittersweet email. Uh, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're in all of the social meteors. Happyjacksrpg, all one word. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, MeWe. We also have a live stream, which we do on Friday nights at 7.07 p.m. Pacific time at happyjacks.org slash live. That's happyjacks.org slash live. Um, I wanted to mention, because a flurry of books have been coming out, and it will be coming out. I don't know if you guys know, but have either of you read the Bobaverse books? Never even heard of them. Okay, I know Bob O'Reilly by the Who. Uh, I do know that one. The Bobaverse series. The first book is called "We Are Many, We Are Bob," and I've I'm going to give. That. I'm going to spoil the first two or three chapters of the book. This guy, he owns some kind of. He's a software engineer. He owns some kind of dot com company that he sells for millions and millions of dollars. Uh, he decides to go and splurge, and he goes and pays a company so that, like, if he falls ill or dies, they'll f- they'll cryogenically freeze his head, right? And, he, and he's in Vegas, so he goes ahead and, s- and signs up for that. Then he goes to a party with all of the, his former employees, and they're all happy because they've all they've all got stock options and shit. So they have a big party, and he gets a little tipsy. He goes out, he walks out into the middle of the street, gets hit by a car, and dies. He wakes up a couple hundred years later uh, in an entirely different world. Except they never quite figured out how to recreate human brains, so they took his consciousness and put it inside of a computer. So he's now Makes sort sense. of like an AI. Open the pod bay doors, please, Bob. Right, and I'm then sorry, I can't do that. Except it's still him. It's still him. It's still his personality. And then, then he later discovers, and this is all probably within the first six or seven chapters, because this is sort of the premise, which is why I'm spoiling this part of it. He then discovers that the whole plan is to put him inside a von Neumann machine, which is a, a spacecraft that is slower than light that can rip, replicate itself. And he will have the ability, it's, it, the whole machine is built so it has like 3D printers so you can print a new like motherboard, or they call it a matrix, that you put actually put the whatever programming made the AI personality in, and it can also make everything else on the ship, so it can literally make copies of itself, including the ability of the copy to make copies later. So it's a self-replicating machine that is being used to basically explore space because there's no faster-than-light travel. Right. And 
it doesn't sound like an engaging premise for a series of books, but everyone I have recommended it to has loved it. How many books are there? It was originally a trilogy, and he just, a week ago, came out with the fourth book. Because I think he was going to be done with it when he wrote the, the trilogy. And it kind of so wraps glad, up. I'm so glad you said it didn't say, well, I don't know, he's just self-replicating. He started it with two. And <laughs> now got three, now got no, that would be the book that my wife is reading. Um. But it is, it, 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 was, it, was, it was, if you're a Babaverse fan, I enjoyed it. It's different because one of the things that happens is as he starts replicating, the, the story sort of bounces around. It's all written first person. But it bounces around between different copies of Bob, and for the sanity, probably the sanity of the reader, each time a new Bob is made, they kind of realize they're not the original, so they give they give themselves a new name. Okay. But uh, it, it's uh, they're saying that Kurt, you're a little soft. I'm a little. Can wow, you turn? Nobody's ever told me that in my life. Right, braggart. Can you uh, <laughs> turn the volume up just a little bit? Yeah, I think I can do that. Uh, only a little. That's as much as it goes. That's better, I think. Okay. Uh, so anyway, that's out, and uh, and I, I enjoyed it. But uh, and then also, of course, the, the newest Dresden Files book came out. So, oh, did it come out? Yeah, it, oh, just, yeah. it came out uh, the thirtieth, I think. I never made it on any of my feeds. I missed it when it dropped. I saw yeah. it was going to come out, but I, you know. And you know, it comes like, out in November, right? I don't know if you guys read Ready Player One, but Ready Player Two comes out in November. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that one actually. So, well, I guess I, I guess I'll get Dresden and read that this weekend. Seeing as how I haven't read any of the Dresden books, um, I, I won't be reading this one. Probably not a good time to start. Yeah. No, no, I, I, probably not. No. I I realize that makes me something of an anathema in geek world, but. Um, I actually, he wrote another series, which I yeah. actually really liked, and I and it might be sacrilegious, but I think they're better. They're better written, I think, than Dresden as well. Mary's got three or four of another series written by him that was basically based off of a prompt that he got at a convention. I think. Yeah, I think Tyler Tyler mentioned it. He said he basically wrote about Pokemon. I think yeah, was, yeah. Oh, the oh, Codex Alara Codex Alara yeah. series. Yeah. I have not they're read really, those. Really, they're good. Are they they're really? really good. Okay. Well, I, I my plate is so full right now with with new books. And he and he wrote one for the starting of another series, which is sort of like ships in space Wind, kind of thing. Yeah, the wind windless the wind, something. Right. Yeah, and, and they came out like three or four, maybe even five years ago. And I haven't. Maybe he lost interest and hasn't followed up. I don't know. And it, well, he probably. Has, he, I'm sure he's sick and tired of writing Dresden novels. Because he's like up to eighteen or something, right? Now. But he's probably contractually obligated at some point. But but he is a fairly prolific writer. I don't. know, Maybe he's just burned out. Or no, I haven't finished it. I just barely started. It, but it might be the last book. Mm, I don't know. I, I'll know when I finish it. Maybe who knows? The uh, the stream apparently went something crazy. Oh, well, let me like, check. It's a black screen with about fourteen million cursors blinking on it. Is it back? <laughs> oh, that's because I had to open the. Hold on a second. Yeah, I'm okay. That's better. <laughs> that fix it, maybe at yep. least for a while. Okay, all right. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, oh lim, lim, lim. books. I wrote two books. 
Yes, you did. And, I'm, and, and I'm I, the... I started listening to the first one. Excellent. And, uh, I, I am actually very pleased that there is an audiobook version of it because I would not have known how to pronounce the main character's name. <laughs> Mandite? <laughs> I would have pronounced it Mandate. <laughs> That'd be fine. I don't care. I don't care. You can pronounce it any way you want. Uh, and you have a mandate to do this. <laughs> right. Now, this, the, the first book, I recorded the audio version of it, and it's been submitted to uh, Audible. And they told me it'd be 30 days, which ended two days ago. And now they're saying, well, it's really 30 working days, which I have to just subscribe, subtract like eight days from that. But they said, but we're really behind right now. So they said maybe like mid-October, no, mid maybe late October. But if you're on the Patreon, you're, you got it for free. So. Hey, they make good Christmas gifts. And they do. And then the second book, I'm recording the audio for the, for the second book, which is Mandite, The Patented Mage. And that... Um, that, that I'm recording the audiobook for right now. And then uh, the third book, is in, it's at a proofreader right now. I, I made just enough to be able to spend all of it on a proofreader. <laughs> so um, it's yeah, sitting it, at, a, at the, a professional proofreader right now. Yeah, they, they still can't see anything. It's still that black screen. Really? That's strange. I don't know if they can hear anything. Oh, you know what it is? I, it's probably better now. Let me see if Kimmy's... Because Kimmy, Kimmy wanted to jump in. That's why I'm... I've got yeah. that thing open. Yeah, it's better now. Just last time you fixed it, and you uh, no, <laughs> you fixed it, and then it went, and then you fixed it again, and then yeah. Okay, I'm going to close the invite window until she shows up. So that should fix there you it. Go. All right. Okay, I'm going to go on with the first email because it's <laughs> 15 minutes in. All right. Uh, Red herrings from Steve in SoCal. Happiest of Jackers and Jillers. I hope that your email backlog is long enough that a worldwide pandemic is no longer on your minds by the time you read this. Ha! <laughs> now, he wrote this probably in July. So, even more optimistic he was there, Stephen in SoCal. Um, if it still is, then please shake your fist at the heavens for me. Fist in the sky! <laughs> on the ground! Fist in the sky! On the ground! Is that, that what would? Yes, it was so, all, uh, yeah. yes. Oh, oh that, look, a notification just came up. Man who's Kimmy's playing, coming in. The man who played Sir Francis Drake since Sir Francis Drake retired. All right. Uh, here comes Kimmy. Hi, Kimmy. Oh, I should probably send you the, the emails real quick. Eh. Nah. Nah. You, you want to not read one? You want to just. I'll send it to you just to follow along. Why is my thing being weird? Your mic's a little quiet. Well, I'll just be louder. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> I have a baby sleeping. It'll work out great. <laughs> Why is it doing that? Don't do that. Okay, I just shared the Google Docs. Okay. Let me see. What am I going to have for my I'm going to continue reading because we're, we're, we are live. All right. we're, oh. we're on right now. <laughs> Dude, you should have told me that. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'm sure they're just happy to see you in here. <laughs> ah. All right. Uh, uh, so if it still is going on, the, the pandemic, uh, please shake your fist to the heavens for me. I was musing through various gaming stores and was pondering stories and was pondering your thoughts on when you think one should yes and 
the player's pursuit of red herrings and turn them into totally planned, quote-unquote, plot devices. For example, when does that throwaway article on the bear attack in the woods just happen to be a Nazi plot to, to mutate local animals? And it just so happens that project uber ursign is also run out of a secret zeppelin hangar in the forest where the intended plot centers okay i give this guy high marks because that's exactly what we were thinking and that is like the first like it was like the first savage worlds game we played and this is this is where you came up with the holy sam thing this is like the the genesis of this whole idea it was it was perfect um, he just had column inches to fill. And <laughs> I did. Uh, alternately, when you do just shake your head and tell them they just wasted an afternoon and almost died combating local fauna. <laughs> Which is how that Uber Ursine actually played out. Right. <laughs> well, I, I have something, some things to say in my defense on this. Yeah, I know. No, no, I, know. <laughs> I suppose there's also a middle way where that bear turns out to not be part of the intended main plot but is still a shape-shifted elderly bard owner mage who can still be used a useful plot element on her own. Hopefully that last bit came across as clever and not just a jumbled mess of compound sentences. <laughs> I sometimes struggle with the feeling that things are too easy for players and thus unsatisfying. But at the time, at, but at the same time, have often experienced frustration as as a player, when all our our ideas seemingly lead nowhere. Also, it seems like anything you bother to include should have the potential for significance. Well, I, you know, I had extra column inches. <laughs> <laughs> Chekhov's gun. Right. Um, should have a potential for significance. And I actually, in hindsight, now, ten years later, I agree with that. Uh, otherwise, why waste precious spotlight time on it? It was just a little tiny article. It was supposed to. It was a spotlight. It was barely a Fresnel. Completely. I had a whole plot. Just to amuse you with a random anecdote along these lines from one of my gaming groups. Uh, a prior DM had the PCs so paranoid about everything that. So paranoid about everything that even a brief description of a random cow mooing in the field turned into a serious discussion about how it might be some kind of shape-shifted enemy or a trap of some sort, instead of simply a simple piece of background material intended to make the world seem more real. Thanks for all the wisdom and humor over the years, Stephen SoCal, the Grimace on the forums. Um, wow, Grimace, I... Thanks for taking us back. Wow, it's a long-time listener. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I, I, I... Yeah, of course the bear was intact. In fact, in not Right. Plot. See, the of thing is... It was. it was... Okay, that game was a one-shot. If it had been a... If it had been a campaign, I might have let things kind of... Well, we, I, we, the game ended and you guys killed the bear. <laughs> And 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 you had no and you literally had no idea of the rest of the plot because no. you happened to pick the one article right. in the thing <laughs> filler. that was the, the people got campers got mauled by a bear rather than what I don't even know. I don't even remember. All well, I know like, is there was Nazis and an underground Zeppelin hangar and <laughs> <laughs> And I think I was in there with Bruce and Casey. 
I think it was, and it was like our first Savage Worlds game, so we were really more into like it was the let's first attack time something and see how the combat works, right? Because it, that's what Bruce and Casey do. And so it was it, it was like let's get the bear. We can shoot something, and we can happen immediately. So there was a lot going on. Yeah. Yes, but you know what? Had it's one of those situations. It's like when you're sometimes when you're under pressure, it's like. Oh no! Of course, I'll just do this and bip, 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 and now you know now that's that's where things are going, but right. that doesn't happen to me every time. <laughs> it might to some, but sometimes it's just like. Uh... I, I hear it happens to men of a certain age. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, you know, it's one of those situations. Like I don't, I really can't think of. I could. I'll just let them kill the bear. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the game, I guess. But we all learned a lot from that. I mean, first yes. of all, it's, it's and it become, was a kind of a play test of the system too. It was, and and you've now learned a lot about like if I ever make props, make sure I have a story for everything. No, yeah. no, <laughs> because later, because He's later, to roll with it. he has not learned that lesson. <laughs> when we did no. the when we did the um uh the, the original motive the the um, original motive sin game. I again had extra space on my fucking newspaper and at the bottom so I made you know what I'm going to make a couple ads for a couple local businesses and I made one for what well, was well, there was one for something else like a like a like a uh verse shack or something I don't even remember what it was but the other one was like a was a bar and they're like there's a bar in this not they one person <laughs> well yeah it was uh, Tim, Tim it was Tim. It was like Tim. Hanging on a bone. It was this little old lady. That's why we thought yeah. it was weird because she was quoted in one of the stories, and it was like she's like this elderly woman who owns a bar in like the super resort town. You're like, this is a little odd. I don't and know. he convinced himself that she was older than than. It's like he's like he started reading this article, and the next thing you know, his brain took off with. She can't be this old. Do you think she's this old? She can't. She must be immortal. There's something going on, and the next thing you know, he's driving to the bar. We're all like, "What the fuck just happened?" See, <laughs> and, and in that situation, I had nothing planned for that at all. I've mentioned this before many, many times. She was just an old lady who owned a bar because there are old ladies out there who own bars. Yeah, they do exist. I'm, I'm gonna say though that like. She ended up being one of the most amazing other characters ever. Right. Yeah. So I feel like that was a win-win situation for everybody well, involved. And, and and I think I think the reason that I felt okay doing that was because it was a campaign and it was like yeah. the first session. Yeah. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna make her. I'm gonna make her something really dangerous because who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows yeah, but, where this is gonna end up? But have we Joy not gone had we not gone and killed the bear, you would not have been pre-warned and pre-armed with the uh, with the expertise to pivot Maybe. like that when your when your journalistic skills have been misconstrued. That could be. <laughs> so, what do you guys think about his sort of main question about about whether how should you let the players dangle on red herrings or what are your feelings on that? <sighs> Having chased red herrings before that actually lead to nothing. Not not just the bear. That was fine. Like you said, it was a one shot. But I've I've spent entire like two or three game sessions chasing something that didn't come up with anything, and it's really frustrating. At some point, I either want the DM to like wave a sign, going, "Guys, this isn't going anywhere," or have them turn it into something, or at least lead to something else. I just I hate the I hate just letting your players twist in the wind for no reason. You know, it's not their fault they chased your red herring, and they shouldn't be punished for it. You threw the red herring in there. At some point, you got to make it relevant. Otherwise, you're just being a dick. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I gotta agree there. It's, it's, it's like I mentioned earlier. It's Chekhov's gun. If you in- introduce 
the gun in, in, in Act 1, you have to use it. It has to be fired in Act 3. I mean, there has to be a reason for it. And if there isn't one to begin with, then either make it apparent very quickly that there's there's no there there, or you know that's when you end uh, end your se- you know end your session some way and spend the next week figuring out what 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 that could lead to, um, and if in a week or whatever your interstitial time is between games, uh, if you can't figure out something like anything, then you come back in the next at the beginning of the next session and you you know they they pick up and they they figured out you know where they're going and you just bring it to a you bring it to an end then and so they still haven't i don't want to use the term but wasted time because they will think of it as wasted time. oh I, I think it can it absolutely can be wasted time i mean i've gotten to the point now where i don't have red herrings like actual yeah. red herrings i mean that wasn't uh, that, the lady at the bar is not a red herring. I'm sorry. No, it's not, red <laughs> no, it's not at all. The bear, no. yeah, yeah. It's, it's people set died. That we became obsessed with. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I, I I fall into the trap of trying to make an immersive world by describing a lot of little details here and there, and usually my players know me well enough, as you guys know me well enough, that um, there's. This is just Kurt talking to hear his own voice. So there's nothing really to follow uh, <laughs> along those lines. Um, but I'm trying to create this uh, immersive environment with only a verbal description. Um, but if they pick up on something, I better either finish it within the next 15 minutes or be able to develop that into something huge. Um, just because that that's... If that's what they, if that's the part of the world that they choose to sink their teeth into, um, just because I was chewing, chewing the scenery, then okay, fine. That's, but that also goes to I like sandbox games. Yeah. I like that open world idea. Um, I like it at the table, especially because it's my other experience is LARPing, and it's really hard to do open world LARPing. Yeah. <laughs> Tabletop, oh, you want to go to the next city? Sure, you can go to the next city. We don't have to, like, create a new set. Right. (laughs) For me, I think it kind of depends on the game itself. Um, When I play, like, mystery games, like we played, um, uh, gosh, what's that game? Mac ran it a few months ago. City... City of Mists? Yeah, City of Mists, that's what it is. Um, and I, was, I keep saying like Sin City. I'm like, I know it's not that. It's a different <laughs> thing. Um, uh, City Miss, like that was like a true detective noir. Like we're solving a crime, and I think it's okay in in things like that to be like, okay, like you're going to follow a clue, and maybe it doesn't lead anywhere. And I think that's an okay situation. I mean, you don't want them to do it like Stork said for like session after session, but like if you see them heading completely down the wrong path, like have a, you know, informant or something, like, give them real information. But I think it's okay to have them hit dead ends sometimes, especially in a situation like that where you really, a lot of people do kind of want that noir detective feel, you know, where you might yeah. go to the wrong place. Um, I think if we're, like, high fantasy adventure stories like that, like, it, it, it's a little harder because it's like, okay, we, now we've, like, spent two, you know, two months traveling to this other town or whatever it is, and it's just kind of, like, a, a little bit like what we were saying, dead air. 
Um, so I think just kind of measuring, like, okay, like knowing your players for one, are they going to be pissed if you if you game once a month and they spend two sessions on something? That's a lot of like yeah. emotional input for them, and that's that would piss me off. If you're gaming twice a week, that's a little less urgent. Like you might be okay with having a session or two where you went down the wrong path. Um, maybe give them like carrot at the ends. Um, like maybe oh this was the wrong path but hey they found a clue that led them on the right path um or hey this wasn't the you know the tower you were looking for but there's <laughs> some cool loot here anyway and, and that might help you in you know your big boss fight or something right. like that you can make it worthwhile we're sorry mario your princess is in another castle exactly <laughs> yeah oh, I, I do agree i do agree that it is very much setting specific because um uh, I remember Jib ran a game that was a murder mystery that I played in, and I was actually in the, the playtest. He ran it at the con later. Um, and I watch a lot of police procedural shows, mm -hmm. like too many. Um, and so he gave me this pre-gen character who was a doctor mm -hmm. and who was a friend of the deceased. And so we were all brought into the police department and said, you know, this guy has been found dead. Um, uh, suspicious circumstances. You are all connected to the victim. Um, we want to talk to you. And then once they were done with us, and this was the intro, this was the intro to the game. He said, "Okay, well, what do each of you want to do?" And I said, "I want to go to the coroner. I want to go to the the medical examiner and find out what the hell happened to my friend because I'm a doctor and I would be able to understand what the coroner has to say." <laughs> and Jib went, "Uh, what?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. That seems like a pretty obvious. Like, no. Well, yeah, but but still, it was like, oh, yeah, no, that. But the that the red the the, the the red herring there wasn't something that that he gave as like a detail somewhere in the setting that he described. It was a detail within my own character mm -hmm. that was like, well, my this is my hammer, and this is what the world this is the nail that my world looks like. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, it is setting. It is very much setting specific. Kimmy and Stu both brought up a really interesting distinction, which I don't, which I didn't make. I was conflagrating the two together, which is there's actual red herrings, which are actual clues that lead someplace that that is a dead end. Usually, that's right. the whole thing about yeah. a red herring. And then there's a clue that you hadn't planned on, or a set dressing that got picked on, as you say, and that's a different thing in my mind. Having an actual red herring, the GM has set up <clears throat> a clue trail that leads you nowhere. Yeah. Right. That's and that shitty. and that could be shitty. But <laughs> as you say, with investigations, oftentimes you know they, they have to track down every clue to at least to eliminate the ones that are wrong. But that's really endemic to an investigation. If you're spending three or four sessions in a fantasy world trying to track down, you know, a guy that doesn't exist, you're going to be pissed unless unless at the end of the day there's at least a clue that says you know. <laughs> this was this didn't happen. This was wrong, but it leads you somewhere else. It it has to be played very very carefully. I think I think there's a difference between a red herring and then just and then just the, the players pick up on a different clue and you're not flexible enough to allow information to flow from that. Yeah, Does, definitely. That make sense. Yeah, no. The intent to actually fool them yes. is like that. That's nobody likes that. Like I mean, sometimes it's fun with like puzzles or something to be like, hey, like. Oh, there's this trap. You have to figure out how to get out of it. Um, but like, actually, like 
tricking your players to going the wrong way, it's like a little eh. Well, it, 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 I mean, it's interesting to ha- maybe have a character who's trying to trick them, but there has to be a way for them to know that they're being tricked or something without just like one roll. Um, or like if they do are tricked and they start to go down that path, just don't let it run for too long. Yeah, uh, right. and they uh, like you said, like they're super different than <laughs> very over proactive players picking <laughs> up on one column inch at the bottom of your prop newspaper. Like yes. I feel like that's a like like letting them letting them have some slack on the leash for a little while with something like that is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, t- use your best judgment. Don't let it go for too long. But that's a very different. Like we can laugh and joke about that now because it's like a funny story about us making a choice. No, like I can't see us all laughing and smiling and joking about Stu having like purposely fooled us into going down, you know, right. path. Yeah, that's you know, that's not it's as endearing to me. Still like, be mad at him. <laughs> what you're gonna <laughs> ten you're years gonna, later? You're gonna go I, bear hunting? Hopefully, okay. what is a quick question is: Is it reasonable to have an NPC? Who is an unreliable narrator? Yeah, yeah. As long okay. as there's a way for the players to tell that they're an unreliable okay. narrator. Okay, cool. Yeah. If you if you present them a hundred percent as trustworthy and great, and there's not a role they can make, there's not a snitch they can talk to who can diffuse, you know, they can like disparage them, things like that. If you give them no ways to know right. that that person is a jerk and that they shouldn't trust them. And then you just like spring it on them. That's like a dick move. It's not clever. It's you know. It's like oh okay. Like you're omnipotent. Of course. Like like like. Of course everything's perfect for you. you of course you could fool us into thinking this person was great. That's not an accomplishment. No. <laughs> it's true. No. Just another busy drone mentioned something that I thought was interesting. <clears throat> he said. Uh, a red herring, an intentional misdirection, and intentional misdirection must either be carefully handled to serve the plot, i.e. The villain intentionally played it to throw them, or otherwise useful or productive. No one likes da 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 da. But the interesting having a red herring that was actually that's not well. I guess, I guess it is set up by the GM, but it's actually set up by the NPC villain. Yeah. To like yeah. throw them off yeah. the trail. <clears throat> that I think yeah. is. I, I, he's right. I think that is fine, and it does serve the plot. And then it, that's just going to make them hate the guy even more. Absolutely, yeah, he, that's totally different. Yeah. Yeah, he followed up on that with, uh, he says, his rule with that is the GM should never lie to you, but NPCs might lie to your characters. There you go. That's a great differentiation. Yeah. And again, like, there needs to be a way for them to see through that. There needs to be a way for them to figure out that this character or the big bad or whatever is sticking with them. Um, It can be really difficult but there needs to be some sort of way. Like, you can't make it, like, the perfect thing where there's no possibility of them figuring it out. Right. They cannot figure it out, but it has to be because of, you know, the choices they make, not because it's impossible. You don't, you not wanting them to figure it out yet, so not letting them find out based on any roles or any actions they take no matter what, you can't do that. That's that's lame. Yeah. No, that's getting into adversarial <laughs> GM territory, and yeah, that's, totally. that's, no, that's no cool. Yeah. So. You only do that if you're playing a con game and they figured everything out in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fucking happening. Um, spiders. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, yeah, yeah, the giant mech spiders. Uh, uh, thank you, Steve and SoCal, for the email. We appreciate it. Uh, the next one is Game Commitment Levels Comparison from Scott, who would like to read this. You want to take this? I'll take the next one. Uh, I'm not going to read anything. I'm fine. 
Okay, okay, I'll read it, sure. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Hello, spent, Jack. Oh, wait. Go, no, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to make a smart comment about I spend five hours a day reading things to kids on Zoom. I really am fine not reading anything to <laughs> Hello, Jackers and siblings of another douche nozzle. Long-time listener, about five years now. First-time submitter. My question today pertains to gaming quotas and how much time yourself and your players are willing to commit to this hobby. Let me explain. I've been running games for five years now. I have run games for three different groups of friends, sometimes interspersing the players between. I've noticed that some groups of friends are much more available to play than others, both in length of session and with general scheduling. Let me explain. One group, let's call them Group Alpha, consists of five consists of a five-player table, six including myself. Pinning down time to schedule has always been difficult with this group. The highest level of frequency I can manage to schedule be has been no more than once a month. Sometimes the schedule will slip for much longer. With these gaps in gaming, you would expect that the group alpha would run sessions longer in, a, in an attempt to get the most of our time. Nope. The most I can get out of this group is 3.5 hours on a good day. Part of this may be due to the large size of the table, five players, limiting the spotlight, which I believe could cause the players extra exhaustion. Generally, I cannot get a good time commitment out of this group. My second group, let's call them Group Bravo, consists of four players, Table 5, including myself. Pinning down time to schedule this group is much easier to navigate. We will play on a frequency of once every two weeks, with an occasional weekly game as well. Conversations, yeah, conversations scheduling the game are much more productive. In addition, this group could game for much longer sessions, up to five or six hours with ample breaks in between. In general, this group is much more willing to commit time. Drink! Oh, okay. This has led me to think about the differences between the two groups' willingness to commit time to gaming in general. There are a couple of factors that I am willing to consider outside of the personality traits. One, family life. Neither Alpha or Bravo group has children. No quarrels there. Two, work habits. The Alpha group works steady, dying to five, 40-hour work week. The Bravo group works a more chaotic week. One person is a bartender, the other works occasional weekends, uh, another is on call often. One would expect that Alpha group would be easier to schedule due to the methodical nature of their schedules. Alas, they are not. Three, location. The Alpha group live all live within two miles of my house, where I host. Lucky. The Bravo group lives all over the state. I live in Connecticut, each about 35 minutes away. Again, the opposite of what you might expect. Now, or, now states on the East Coast, they're little, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So a 35-minute yeah, drive could be a big chunk of that state, yeah? Connecticut yeah. is about the, is smaller than the county of San Bernardino. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> smaller than San Bernardino County. Got it. So, uh, yeah. To be fair, San Bernardino is the largest county in the United States. It's the largest county in the world. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> no, way, oh, yeah, okay, county, okay. County. Yeah. Four. To be fair. Willingness to play online. Due to COVID, we, like the rest of the country, were forced into playing online for the last five months. Bravo Group were all able to set themselves up in, on Discord with some headphones and a mic and continue gaming. We actually increased the frequency at which we were able to have a session to weekly for the first two months of the pandemic. The Alpha Group, <clears throat> on the other hand, had very little interest in playing online. We tried one session to a lackluster response. Between the technical difficulties and the different feel, the players simply had less fun and said they would only want to play in person once the pandemic is cooled off. 
Five, enthusiasm. I believe I have an enthusiasm problem with Alpha Group. Clearly. They have independently stated they want to keep playing, but I am having trouble believing them. I am willing to scrap their existing campaign for a new one, but they are really attached to their characters in the world. I see no discernible difference in actual table enthusiasm when we play. Cheers for the critical successes, howls for the critical fumbles, and a lot and a lot of fun role play and banter in between. But maybe I'm missing something. Am I being unfair to Alpha Group? Am I looking into things that aren't there? Am I missing something staring me in the face? In addition, what about yourselves? What is your usual weekly time commitment to the hobby? What factors in your life have changed over time? I'm sure Kimmy has something relevant to say about this. Sorry for the 800-word email. I hope you have a safe, socially distant rest of your summer. Scotty Apollo on the forums. Yeah, so. that, that's, these, all, all these emails are in July. <laughs> so we get a, kind of a backlog on emails right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I started running a weekly game online uh, about two weeks after I was sent to work from home uh, back in late March, early April. Um, and I think we've missed three sessions. So uh, I, I think that you are not being unfair to your alpha group. I think that you are, that perhaps your alpha group is being unfair to you. Um, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the opposite point there. <laughs> well, okay, uh, I'll go ahead. Uh, finish your my, thing, and then I'm my, 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 I will finish quickly. Yeah. Um, uh, and th- I think that there is definitely an enthusiasm problem with the alpha group. Um, and seeing as how you have another group that seems to really enjoy the style of game you're running, um, because most GMs have a style. Um, that doesn't really vary much between game types or games. Um, I, it, it sounds like there might be a bit of a, mix ma- a mismatch in your alpha group. Now, this is my opinion. Apparently, Kimmy has a very different one, so I will t- yeah. leave the floor open to her. Yeah. Well, the floor I definitely agree that Kimmy. there's an enthusiasm problem. Um, but I do think that you need to give your uh, alpha group a little bit of a, especially right now, a little bit of a pass. Like, speaking as someone who like has my day job and I'm on zoom a lot more than a lot of people because I have to teach kids all day in zoom and honestly as much as I love gaming I love gaming groups like the last thing I want to do is go spend three or four more hours in zoom during my week so I feel like you thanks for coming on the show Kimmy I appreciate it I can't hear you what thanks for coming on the show tonight I appreciate it (laughs) I, I mean I miss it like I miss the interaction I miss the gaming I miss all that stuff, but the minute like I log in to do it, I just feel myself like <laughs> melting and like like my soul draining away. And um, it's not and it's not about the GM at all. It's not about the content. It's not about any of that stuff. So at least for the more recent problem of people not wanting the game during COVID, um, it it may be because you're people who have more office type jobs. Many of them may be having to do a bunch of Zoom meetings or online meetings all day since they're either working from home or working with people who are working from home. That, that is definitely a possibility. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, so I, that's I, like the one thing. And It does, it does sound like it was, he was having these problems, though, before the pandemic started. Yeah. See, the thing... I, go, yeah. go ahead. No, go first, um, I don't think there is a problem. I mean, the the group that is, like, harder to get to schedule together... That just sounds like a group of people who are just less enthusiastic about role-playing games. 
because he says they have a they have a grand time once the game gets going, but it, it's just like you know you have priorities in life. It's like maybe Group A is like really into binge watching TV shows, and it's like oh I got a game oh but I'm in, right in the middle of binge watching this and I don't really want to interrupt it because you know I'm so close to the end. Who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't even yeah. know if it's really. If it's really a problem, because if they're enjoying the game, they're enjoying the game. But it may just be—I mean, everyone, everyone in this hobby has different levels of enthusiasm for the hobby at any given time. You know, even my—I mean, I've got a podcast and run multiple games, but even even my enthusiasm ebbs and flows because, like, right now I'm binge watching, uh, what's it called, Blacklist. Oh yeah, with, oh, yeah. with uh, Robert California, oh, or whatever that actor's name is, uh, uh, James Spader. James Spader, <laughs> and, and we're really close to. Well, no, he well, he played Robert California on The Office. Yeah, and okay. uh, and I'm like, wow, this is really good. I could just sit and watch it, and it's a lot of seasons, and I'm like, this is so much fun, and and I like James Spader. I think he's really funny. He's a great actor. He uh, is. I binged through about four seasons of that very quickly. I guess there's like so, eight or nine or something like that. I know. That. Right? There's a lot of them now. But I mean, it, you know, it's, and and people's enthusiasm level just ebbs and flows through the hobby, and I don't think that's a, that, I don't think that's anything to really worry about. And it, it may just be coincidental that you have one group that is just happens to be made up of people who are like really super interested in role playing games, and another group is like, oh, it's a fun hobby, mm-hmm. but I also do other stuff. Or are you, yeah. I mean, everyone does other stuff, but it could just be that they're just like, meh. And I don't well, know. Also, like, look at the personality types. I think that's the most important thing. Like, the people who are a bartender, are they really a bartender, or are they an actor who's a bartender <laughs> to make their rent? And, like, are all these people who have these more freelance-type jobs, are they more creative, uh, you know, like, more outgoing types versus the people who are having their office jobs? So that's something, too. Like, I mean, people who have office jobs can be amazing role players. It's not that they, you know, but people who are already actors or who already have artistic pursuits as the main, you know, like avenue of their hobby. Like I'm going to use you as an example, Stork. Uh, Stork is very theatrical and he, for his living, like he is a painter. He works on sets. He works on, on things like that. So like he has a very creative, uh, well, hopefully sometimes creative job, depending on what you're painting that week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, you know, like he's gone down a very creative, um, artistic, like career for himself. And while someone in an office job may love role playing, but they may not have that same kind of theatrical bent. You know, to piggyback off of that, um, sometimes the people with the nine to five job, the only time they have free after that is, is in the evenings or whatever it is. And they have, they have other lives. They want to see their spouses. They want to see movies and stuff. So sometimes it's actually harder to schedule stuff when you have a life like that, because you know, you've, you've got other, other priorities that you are also buying for your limited amount of time, the four hours you have between the end of work and sleep. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it can be, it, I, I realize schedules and stuff happen, but, but also people have full lives. They have birthdays and weddings and, you know, they get sick, whatever it is. And sometimes it's almost harder than the guy that's like, ah, I don't have to be at work till three. We can play whenever. You know, uh, yeah, it's great. That guy, you know, his schedule is open and he's he's just more willing to pivot on it. The other thing I was thinking is sometimes just personality types. 
you know, or even character types. We've got a bunch of sort of somber playing characters. Everybody's playing a necromancer, or everybody's sort of just, and it just the mood is different. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and sometimes various players, not that they don't get along, but just the chemistry amongst them is different from game to game to game. And I've experienced that. There's been yeah. times where, where uh, in certain games, the, the the mood is just different. The energy is just different. And it has nothing to do with the game. It has to do with the players in that game at that time and, and their personalities. Yeah, absolutely. And we see that here all the time. Like, we have a, you know, amazing, uh, like, a whole big group of players. We have people we play with at cons all the time who are, like, regulars in our games. Or we have a GM that we always sign up for at a certain con. Things like that. And game to game can be incredible. Like, like Kurt's played in a bunch of my con games. And, like... But even though my GMing style, like you were saying, is very similar and very steady, I think every time, even though the actual adventure idea is very different, like based on the people at the table, like incredibly different vibes sometimes. Oh yeah, uh, very much so. I mean, you you definitely do have a style. I like it. Uh, that's why I keep signing up for your games. Thank you. Um, uh, but yeah, the, the the players at the table very much set the mood. Uh, much the 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 gestalt of the players at the table makes sets the mood much more than the GM. And it's, it sounds kind of woo-woo, you know, like, oh, you know, everybody's got this weird personal energy going on. But, like, even films do what they call chemistry tests. Yeah. And so they may have, like, four or five Three incredible tests. actors, and they just put them together to see that chemistry, and it's that thing that happens that you can't bottle it, can't label it, they just call it chemistry. Yeah. And, that's, and, and when you have a table full of five people, there is a chemistry going on yeah. that it's, I'm not. It doesn't. You don't have to place a value on it, but the energy and the chemistry is different from table to table. Yeah. Oh yeah. Game yeah. to game. And Absolutely. when they ignore those tests, you get movies like Eyes Wide Shut and uh, <laughs> right. What's the What's the other What's the other one that was that really epic um, sci sci fi one? Do you remember Kimmy? That one. The, there was a, <laughs> there was a, there was a sci fi movie they spent an enormous amount of money on. And the special effects are fantastic, but the, it's just it just fell flat. It's like two Avatar. years, three years. Yeah, three. It's like three years old, maybe four years old. Inter- maybe Interstellar. I don't know. And it might be Interstellar. Who's in it? I don't remember. It was two people. One of the two main characters is like the daughter or son of one of the producers or something, which is the reason it was made in the first place. Oh, um. Because well, you told you told me that story. Yeah. No. Um. Oh, I can't remember. Was it? No, right? I think we talked about this one time. That's why you ask. It's um, not Jupiter. I don't think it's Jupiter Rising. No, but it's like that. This one. is, but it, this is one where there's like an alternate reality, one. like you go City through of a something. Planets, Valerian. Yes. Valerian. Yes, that's it. That's yes. it. Uh, thank you to Erica Odd, who's yes. in the chat, who came up with that one. Of course, Erica. Like you and I, like <laughs> other sometimes. Yes, Valerian. Which is yeah. I mean, which is it was sad. I was really excited. There was, a, I mean, they that spent a, a lot of money on that. And somebody, right? I don't remember. Yeah. But if they, if, if those two actors had, if you could believe that there was any romance interest between those two actors, it would, <laughs> probably would have been a good movie. They were, yeah, they were both really great to look at. But, <laughs> wow, wow. Um, so for the second part of the question, how much uh, time do you have to dedicate to this hobby every week? I'm. Currently, like I said, I'm running a weekly game. Usually, my my games are are fortnightly. Mm-hmm. When I run a game, because I need two weeks to prep, but I have nothing but time on my hands these days uh, outside of my forty hour, forty plus hour week job. Um, but 
yeah, I've been running a weekly game on Tuesdays, and then uh, I am playing in another game on Sunday nights, um, also weekly, which would normally be fortnightly as well. Yeah. So, I'm usually and I'm just kind of already signed up for two more games. I know personally, maybe speaking for the other people in this other group, the alpha group, um, I know personally at the end of a long day, I'm I'm wiped out. Oh yeah. And I'm not I'm not I'm not a twenty year old anymore. I can't drive across town after working, you know, a ten to twelve hour day and game for five hours. I just don't have it in me. And so it's really only the weekends that I feel comfortable to being able to get set aside because, you know, it takes some energy to do it. You know, sure. as, as fun as it is, you know, even you know, swimming or playing volleyball on the beach takes a lot of energy and you, you have to set aside time to do it but i so i'm pretty much still just weekends you know even with the covid going on everybody says you have time it's like well i'm working but yeah when COVID was going on i'm like sure i can turn on my computer and <laughs> I'm, I'm here right. anyway <laughs> yeah all right uh thank you scotty uh, apollo apayo i think apayo scotty apayo scott I don't know. scott from connecticut scott from connecticut <laughs> thank you for the email a bittersweet email from Erica Odd. Now, this is from okay. July, because it says uh, July 29, 2020, so I don't know and, if... And uh, Erica is in the chat, so we'll, yes. we, will, we will ask about this. Um, Dear Happy Jack's crew, I received bad news this morning, seven twenty nine twenty. The woman who introduced me, my brother, her three kids, and some of the neighborhood kids to Advanced Dungeons & Dragons way back in 1982 is wow. in the hospital. She's in her early 70s now and has been in poor health for a while. Sadly, it isn't looking good. Uh, I'm sure that we can get an answer in the chat as to if there's any update yeah, on I that. Mean, I don't know if she needs to necessarily... Yeah, she probably doesn't want to tell us. But anyway. that in the chat right now. That's, okay. no, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Sorry, moving on. The first character I made was Valeria, at, named after the character in the Conan movie. She was a thief and had a charisma of six. We started out in a tavern. Hey, back then it wasn't a cliche yet. That's absolutely true. <laughs> yeah. It's still a good way to introduce characters. Just, you know, gotta be good and, at it. And the neighborhood tough guy and sometimes bully had his character start a fight with a big orange-skinned humanoid. Ogre? Orc? Hobgoblin? Who knew? We had never played before. This resulted in our characters being thrown out into the night. We camped in the woods and my character found a hidden chest. I failed to pick the lock and was attacked by a blood-sucking bird things I later, lear- later learned were called sturges. I was I fucking hate sturges. Yeah. sturges. The mosquitoes <laughs> I remember help. them. Yeah, they, yeah. Are, they are. Uh, <laughs> I nearly died. From sturges. I did manage to get the chest open, and inside was a key that opened a door to a strange underground dungeon. The rest, as they say, is history. Oh, it was so all amazing. so amazing to me, my, that first game. My head swam with the possibilities. Had that fight not started, had we not gotten thrown out? Had I not found that key, everything would be different. <laughs> there were a million ways the story could unfold, and it depended on what we did. I was hooked. And now my first DM, who got me started on my path, is in failing health. While sad, this email isn't meant to be a horror story, but a celebration. Huzzah. Of our hobby, our adventures, and of the friends we made, sometimes lost, over the years. Of dice rolls, critical hits, magic, mystery, and, of course, mayhem. Maybe share a story or two about your early gaming experiences. Pour one out for your old friends you don't see anymore or, or can't for whatever reason. I know it's fun to rubberneck at the RPG horror stories, but that's not why we're in the hobby. 
It's not what keeps us here. It's telling a shared story, hanging out online or in person, with friends and loved ones, chucking dice, virtual or physical, and killing monsters. Never forget the good times and the good people in the hobby. Roll initiative. Erica Odd. Erica, you're a great writer. Haram. That was a very Absolutely. well-crafted yes. letter. Thank you Absolutely. for that. Wow. Um, nice essay. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think only Kimmy started gaming after I did. Because um, I know Stu and Stark have been doing this since the 70s, and I'm not sure what century. Fuck um, off. <laughs> 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 Sorry, he's a joke. Uh, I didn't. I didn't start gaming until after college. Um, I, I, we almost got into a game, like a game almost started in college, and then it fell apart before we had even created characters. Um, so that just didn't happen, and so it wasn't until after I graduated college um, that I got invited into the first game, which, for those who know me, won't be surprised that it was a Vampire the Masquerade Sabbat game. Um, and yeah, I, I was pretty much hooked from that, that was point. A, that was a gateway for a lot of people in the in 90s, I think. This yeah, vampire. yeah uh, it was very prolific in, in the 90s. Uh, it, you know, it was the new hotness. And this was, this, you know, this was in 2004 that I got into it. So, um, but uh, yeah, actually there was a, there was a, uh, a, there was a group of friends that I met through that, that I, I only knew one of the people, the guy who sort of led me in um, and uh, you know, I still occasionally keep in touch with them to this day uh, except for one of them who unfortunately did uh, pass away um, about oh gosh now like 15 years ago mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah um, from a brain tumor so um, but uh, I, I, yeah he, he was a good guy and, and got to meet a lot of good people through that through that group so um uh, but and I mean I met my, my wife through game. Yeah, I did seriously because right. uh, uh, that same guy who got me into that game, I went to his wedding, and he met his uh, girlfriend now wife at Dragon Con in a vampire LARP. <laughs> Dragon Con is in Atlanta. They both lived out in LA at the time, but they met at Dragon Con, <laughs> and. Started dating, got married. I go to their wedding, and I meet my wife <laughs> at the wedding. So we bonded over tabletop gaming stories. Going so, to the wedding is the making of another. Exactly right. <laughs> so it's often yeah. been said, or I've often heard said, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am um, back in the heady days when I was doing it. I, I we had this group of just three or four people, and I mentioned this I think last time I was on too, but. For a while, it seemed like every six months or every year, another new game system was dropping. Whether RuneQuest or Dragon Quest or uh, there were all these systems that kept coming out. There's Champions dropped, and um, oh, like now. Well, but it was <laughs> but it was completely radically different systems. You know, yeah. we had Chivalry and Sorcerer on one side, and we had D and D, and then we had uh, Gamma World, and we had and so all these different games. Boot Hill was out, so all these different games. Since so we were like it was like a smorgasbord, a sampler plate. We could well let's try this, and so we'd go buy the game and learn the rules vaguely and try it out. Let's try this. And so we, we were like playing every week. And sometimes it was we had multiple games going with multiple GMs. And sometimes we'd be like, well I don't wanna I don't want to jam today. I don't have anything ready so that somebody else would launch into their other game. And we were just so addicted and had so much fun gaming in whatever 
that we uh, I just sort of missed that, you know. And my my brain was flexible enough that I could keep the rules from Stormbringer and the rules for RuneQuest separate in my in my brain. Now I'm like, oh, uh, is this the game <laughs> with all the six added dice, or I've forgotten do we count, or is it added? Uh, yeah. So I kind of missed the those heady days where, where everything was new, you know. Yeah. And and your letter kind of reminded me of that, which is, you know, I. Remember when you first played D anD D and they described a monster to you and you didn't know what it was? You're like, yeah. you're like, I didn't know what an ogre was. I didn't know what an orc was. And now they're like, they start describing, oh, it's an orc. Okay, all right, mm-hmm. I got it. Oh, 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 no, it's a troll. We got to burn it. Yeah. But back then, everything was new, and I and I missed those those days of of just absolute discovery and you know, like, oh my god, that's that's mm-hmm. the coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that that. I, I literally the first time I played Dandy was literally in a in a, a friend's basement, and he had a his parents had turned it into a like a like a rumpus room I guess they called it in the seventies it was nineteen seventy eight and and uh, we spent the day it was a weekend and me and me and my uh, best friend from across the street went over to this guy's house and we played some he had some miniature game and he had a bunch of minis that he had painted and we set, played that for a little while did a couple other things and he's like oh I got this. He, he brought out the red box edition of D and D, and we played it. And like she, just like she said, I was freaking hooked mm-hmm. yeah. right away. As soon as it, as soon as you realize, it's like, wait, I can do whatever I want. And then like, there's a person there who's going to like take that into account. And it, oh my god, this is going to be freaking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually remember what my first D and D game was. I think it was just me and another guy that we were just trying out chainmail or like the, the, the red box. But I do remember. A point where there was the, the the brothers down the street. There was an older brother who was two years older than us, and he was you know amazing. And these guys were really smart. I mean, they all went off to become scientists and mathematicians. That's just the, the way these people were. But when his older brother decided to run a game for us, I felt like I had arrived, right? Because he was like the guy that, that was super smart and knew games, and and I feel like and he treated us all like equals. And that was like I think the mo- that's a game I remember, and that's a moment when I felt like all right, okay. I can do this now. All right. Because up until that point, you're just reading the rule book and sort of playing with friends. And, you know, and you, I didn't, I don't know, it was like professional gaming, but I kind of felt like suddenly, oh, we're all gamers. We're not just, oh, he's he's a better gamer than we are because he's older and has played longer. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember that moment. Yeah. I think for me, like, I mean, I tried to play in like junior high and we didn't even make it through like part of a session. Like, we kind of started to make characters, and then we got distracted by video games. Um, and I've talked to... <laughs> I've talked about it, that a lot. I think the moment that, like, really grabbed me, though, was, uh, like, when we I really started to play tabletop games with, like, Stu's first Eldemy game. Um, and I was playing, like, that Raven Queen character, but they hadn't dropped any of the Raven Queen stuff yet. So it was just like, there's a thing called the Raven Queen, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, sitting and writing and creating... The my own lore for that was just like that was so much fun, and I hadn't done that in a long time. I had create like I'd done that with my role playing in video games, which is sort of similar to a LARP, but like you're in a computer instead. Um, but having that freedom to do that and then sit at a table with my friends and eat snacks the whole time, like was just like this great mixture of two things that I really loved that had never before merged for me. Before it had always been like friends and these people were my best friends, but I had no idea who they were really. So there was always that like, like, oh, you log off and it's over. 
like for the first time I had this group of friends who were my like really good friends that I've been doing fair with for years. Did you just freeze? She did. She totally froze. At least she didn't freeze in some really awful look. Fist to the sky! Fist to the ground. To the ground. <laughs> Almost. Almost. We sort okay. of hear you a little. Okay. Where oh, there you, there you are. You're, you're kind of coming okay. back now. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. On, you're there. I think it's on Kimmy's end. Okay, yeah, yeah. it's my end. Sorry. Um... Like the internet or the the air conditioning just kicked off. It's been like a hundred and seven here all week with everybody. Yeah. Um, sorry. So where did I freeze? I felt uh, like I was on like a roll. The how stuff. your how your gaming friends and your real world friends merged. Yeah. So like suddenly I was able to the friends that I hung out with and that like we did fair with and things like that. I was able to suddenly meld that with this world creation that I'd always really enjoyed, um, and then also snacks and beer. But that was the, like, kind of the moment, like, creating that character. And I, it's interesting because I think if I'd played... I don't, I'm not sure it would have happened as powerfully if I'd picked something in D&D that, what, that was so fleshed out that I didn't have to create it on my own. Mm-hmm. I think I think me sitting and writing all that stuff and making up my whole lore of the Raven Queen, which ended up being much better than what they came up with. Um, sorry, I'm bitter. Um, <laughs> like I feel like that really was like the thing that that really sparked my interest and like made it like a long form hobby that I stuck with. You know, it's funny. That's one of the things I loved most about playing Champions, the superhero games, because mm-hmm. you got to spend a huge amount of time on that guy's backstory, how they came up with their powers, how they built their suit, you know, the relationships uh, outside of their superhero identity, and that was you're right. That's a lot of fun coming up with all that backstory. Yeah. You know, usually yeah. in D D you're a level one character, maybe level four or something, and you don't have don't have much experience yet. Yeah. You know, but the superhero game you're kinda Yeah. There's this stuff already that attached to you that you yeah. have to figure out why well, you have it. And there's like a whole world that's I think that's one of the reasons I've never really like been interested in playing games in like Waterdeep or things like that. Like, because there's so much like already there. Like I I I'm much more interested in Creating a world, and it might be very similar to Waterdeep, but it's a world that that is created for us, right? Which I think is really cool. Um, can I, uh, Kimmy just described uh, briefly, but um, I don't know, if Stu or Stork, if you remember the first character you played. No, it was a fighter. It was, I had no idea. Or maybe the earliest character you can remember. Fuck. <laughs> Yeah, I you know it's funny. I found like my old notebook, my old spiral notebook, and I have a bunch of characters in there. And it's funny because when you look at the character, you're like, oh yeah. But I don't. I think I can remember like the first time we sat down to play D and D, and it was a lot of looking through the rule books, and I don't really remember what the character's name was. He might have been a halfling. Mm-hmm. At that point, Lord of the Rings was still very strong in my consciousness. So right, every game the- was a was a quest for some sort of thing. To even remember, fuck, I don't remember any of the early stuff. It wasn't until, like, post-college that I even remember my characters. I made, I had, and I don't even know which came first, but I had one that was, I played a bard. It was basically me, a big fat guy was a bard. And, uh, and I had to, it was when we were in a fight, we were playing GURPS, Bill was GMing. And I felt... Is it the one where you played the mandolin or just noodled around? Yeah, I noodled around the, the, the mandolin and someone, until yeah. someone took it away from me. And, uh... <laughs> And my character died because he he was well he was kind of, he was fat he was a big fat guy and he fell off a 
he was we were trying to help these elves defend their territory, and they had like this like everything was built in the trees, like little walkways and shit. And I'm on a walkway, and I'm like, oh fuck, someone's shooting arrows at me, and I'm big. Oh nam, and I'm trying to get out of the way, and I critically failed. Like I critically failed a dodge roll, so he figured, well, yeah, you you probably fell off the ladder. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna fall off the ladder. He's like, I'm going to give you one more roll to maybe just grab onto something and hold onto something before, so, until someone can help you. I'm like, okay. And I critically failed that roll, too. <laughs> <laughs> and then I fell. And then we figured, you know, because it's GURPS, we figured, well, it's this, this much yeah. distance. Boom. Oh, yeah, I died. And then uh, the other character, and I don't remember if... Which, you never told me how he died. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was two critical failures in, in Dodge getting shot by arrows. That's rough. That's, 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 out of a tree. That is better than how it. my first character died. So, you know. <laughs> and then I, my, I had another character who was, uh, well, he was called Highlander, and he was just, it was a brick in uh, Champions. Champions. And he ended up, no, a character before him. The first character in that was Oppenheimer, who was the the guy who was like the the yeah. real sort of real dark uh, vigilante guy and. Uh, had to retire the character because they're like the party's like there's no way these two people would ever work together. <laughs> that was Oppenheimer. I think was the character you brought back for the hero game. I guess it was Champions. Yeah, that they, you and Bill ran, and we never con, got to him. And we we didn't get to him because it was you know just it it was a con game and we. It was a bit much, but uh, right. yeah. I would have loved to continue that game because I'm right. in it. Yeah, yeah the the you know, it's shit. It just fell out of my head. I was going to say something. Oh well. Oh yeah. When we when I first when I because I had a big long hiatus before I started gaming again. It was like more more than a decade. And uh, when I went out and I bought the uh, fourth edition D and D books. And I start talking to people at fair, and I'm like, hey, yeah, suddenly all these people... Because I don't think, like, Stork and I, we, at this point, we'd already known each other probably 20 years, right? Yeah. Or yeah. close to it. And I don't think we'd ever really talked about role-playing games. We'd sort of talked about it wistfully or even mockingly, you know? Like, Maybe. Oh, I don't no. even remember having any conversations about role-playing games back then. We were, it was all, we're sitting around drinking beers and... Like, mm, but he's pretty. I gave you that book, and then you started to game or something. And I think I actually asked you, I'm like, how come you didn't invite me to game? And you went, I didn't think you wanted to. <laughs> no, no, because I think you were in the first session when we, when we did the Eldemy thing. Because the Eldemy thing, I think, was the first thing I ran in, in yeah. fourth, fourth, fourth Ed. But it was like, oh, just uh, every suddenly, even people in my own band, I didn't even know that they had ever played role playing games before. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, you it, were you were in a, a a Renaissance fair band full of geeks, nerds, and trolls who uh, had for a very long time dressed up in funny clothes to sing body songs at people for money. And it never not, occurred to me they played work. Not, and it never occurred to you that they might be gaming nerds. Nope. <laughs> not once. Not once. We had been out of the hobby for so long that we didn't even realize the hobby was still going. You know, it was one of oh, these yeah. things where it was like, it was like. I wouldn't even know where to go, and it's, it's, we're old. Nobody, nobody old games, you know. And we were like, eh. and then you know, once we started looking around, like, oh, oh, there's whole. And then it, it, it just so happens that about the time Stu and I started gaming again, the hobby exploded again. Yeah, right. We just happened to catch that wave at the right time. Yeah. But well, it was fourth E. Like fourth E was designed to yeah. bring people in yeah, from video gaming. Yeah. Well, and it the, did that very well. 
but even talking to Tappy, I mean, Vampire was going gangbusters, but it just was not on our radar. I mean, yeah. I, I no. had not picked up on that. Um, Though, to, well, be fair, to be fair, when you guys started gaming, even when I started gaming, you didn't talk about being a gamer, like, in public. It wasn't the thing you advertised. No, no that's very true. <laughs> so, I'm, I, by the time I was in college, we certainly did. But in high school, no, you got stuff in the locker back then. You still, I, even, <laughs> nowadays, <laughs> even nowadays at work, I don't bring it up unless I know that they can they kind of understand. Because, yeah, there's still a stigma attached to it. You a college well, boy? <laughs> I think less so now, but but because um, of the success of of the, the 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 public success of streamed games, not just uh, uh, role playing games, but also uh, esports and 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 things like that, that I think has shifted the window of public opinion a little, just a little bit. Just well, video, games, video games helped a lot. Plus, Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones just pretty much inoculated everyone to fantasy. They all did and, it now. And and then you get like Stranger Things, where yeah. oh yeah, and what, Ready so. Player One, the novel at least. Yeah, I mean it, it kind of ignores the existence of role playing games in the movie, but yeah, well, I mean, the two mores. It's awesome. Yeah. All yeah, right. There was a there was a good twenty year period where we just didn't. It just wasn't even looked at. We were like, yeah, oh, I mean, a period in our well, life well, thank you, thank you to Felicia Day and and all the people who came after her for bringing that out of the shadows. I guess. <laughs> yeah, because I yeah I didn't play. The last time I played was probably mid early to mid nineties. And when did I pick up the fourth edition books? Two thousand nine, January two thousand nine, right. or maybe after college. I didn't game at all. So eighty seven, yeah. eighty six, or eighty seven was the last time I had rolled any dice. So, quick question: Which came first, the Eldemy game or the um, the uh, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters in L.A.? Ghostbusters Eldemy. came Eldemy. first. Eldemy. No. Eldemy came way first. Ghostbusters was the first game that we that we uh, recorded as an AP. Right. That okay. was like yeah. two or three years after we started okay. playing. It might have been longer than that. Yeah, it okay. was. It wasn't for a while because that was. I think that one's seven years old. You got uh, you 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 got the books. You started t- doing the podcast. Because I wasn't on the podcast at first. I thought we then started, started playing. I thought we started game. playing first. Did you? Because I, I was in the game, but I wasn't in the podcast. You just didn't want me in the podcast. I don't remember. I have no idea. I remember talking about wanting to start the podcast in like June or July, but I mm-hmm. thought we had started playing Eldemy before then. Maybe, Maybe we didn't. I don't remember. <laughs> it's not recorded, so I, there's no way I can. I can really yeah. reenact it to figure <laughs> it, it, it out. The only thing I remember is, 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 is for in, terms, in terms of timing it, is I remember listening to the Angry Folk Music and Infantile Comedy podcast, <laughs> and you announced <laughs> on that that you were starting a gaming podcast. Right. That's how I found out about Happy Jacks. The, so. only, the only markers I have, and I think you were right, Kimmy, I, it, it did happen later, Insta, is that in the Ghostbusters game, uh, we'd already met Dave and Rob. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. The Ghostbusters game was much later. Them if the podcast had not already been going, that's a very good. Yes. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, I guess that's it. I'm gonna go ahead and play us out. All right. Yay! I made a thing. <laughs> you made a lot of things. Well, you made a thing. <laughs> that's you're a maker. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Thank you for joining us for season 27, 
episode 12 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. <laughs> and I'm Kurt. And we know. It, how long have we been doing this remote? And, I, and I, I've only remembered once, once to say, let's figure out what order we're going to introduce ourselves in. I've only remembered to do that once. And we've been doing this, what, six months, seven months, eight months? We've been doing this remote now? Yeah. Listen, I'm just I'm just a hired hand. It's been five months. <laughs> March, April, May, June, July, August. It's this September. Month. We didn't September. start all the way in March, though. We didn't start until yeah, like, we the did. end of March. I was super scared. Don't you remember? I was saying I don't want people to come over to my house anymore. You don't remember all that? I was cancel. I, I, I was I canceling. Been, I, I was canceling gigs at bars for for the band and all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, I just measure everything from like the birth of my daughter, which is five months ago. So. Okay. No, because I, I remember it's like. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, you're right. We were it was sp- that, yeah. We were supposed it was to- right after. It was right after St. Patrick's Day that we yep. stopped. No, it was. Lunch. I think didn't we cancel our St. Patrick's Day game? You did. You see, yeah, that's when we everything started canceling is St. Patrick's Day. Right, because like, I remember because we were supposed to go do something for. Um, is this super a, interesting? A brew- I guess. We didn't talk about this. <laughs> no, well, let me just finish. And I thought there, the, we were supposed to do something at a brewery in Azusa. Yeah, yeah I don't think that whole, was. I don't think that was. You St. had Pat's, a whole though. St. Patrick's Day show set up for your band, and then you had to cancel. That's right, we did, and they were super pissed yeah. at us. It wasn't there; it was at Callahan's, and they were they were they were like, "Oh, come on!" And like, I don't want to be in a big a little room with like nope. two hundred fifty people right <laughs> now. Like you were right. We were we were never right. happier to not have a St. Patty's Day gig because yeah. we didn't have to cancel it. Right. <laughs> well, right. I mean, everyone kind of you know figured Let's out. Oh, I guess we have to end with like, the Russian national anthem. Okay. <laughs> That's it. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>